Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm super excited to be talking to Maya Benatar today. And we're talking music and women and anxiety and how we can connect the music part to help us manage anxiety in a way fun, improvisational way. Um, there are, I am recognizing that there is some um, audio static, or I'm not exactly sure what happened, but um, during parts of it, there is sort of a clicking sound maybe while Maya is talking, and I apologize for that. I was unable to edit that out, and I hope it's not too distracting. Um, So I hope you can enjoy the episode regardless. So uh, here we go, episode 10. Hi, everyone. Uh, Our guest this week is Maya Benatar. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You did. Awesome. She is a (laughs) licensed creative arts therapist and a nationally board certified music therapist. Uh, Maya, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you got into this work? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So I am a New York State licensed creative arts therapist, which is a psychotherapy license in my state. And I'm a nationally uh, board certified music therapist. And so I work uh, in New York City Mm -hmm. and I work primarily with women who have anxiety, um, as well as those who struggle with perfectionism, intergenerational trauma, things like that. A lot of which we find is really related. Yeah. So uh, you asked about how I got into this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I always tell the story because it just still resonates with me all these all these years later. Um, I, I come from a very musical family, and so it kind of, you know, when I think about it, it makes sense that I ended up doing this kind of work. I also come from a family with a lot of helpers. My mother's a social worker. Um, there's just, you know, kind of a long line of, of helpers. Um, but I was a very shy child. I was a very shy teenager, like painfully shy. Mm. And... And I, music was such a safe space for me. It was such a, a refuge. It was just, it was a place that I felt confident. So I couldn't, I was so shy that I, it was a struggle and sometimes it just didn't happen mm. to like ask the kid in front of me in math class to borrow a pencil kind of thing. Right. But I could, I could sing in front of 200 people. No problem. Wow. Yeah. Which is such a, such a contrast when I think about it. Um, and so it just, music was a place that I felt confident that I, I could be loud. And I really, I, I couldn't assert myself in a lot of other areas of my life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that kind of, when I think back on it, that was a big part of the reason why I, I do this work. That I am really passionate about helping women find their voices, whatever that means for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, I know now that I was, you know, that I was anxious that that I was definitely highly sensitive and you know there wasn't a, an awareness around that yeah. um and so you know and all a lot of that kind of gets lumped under like being shy mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, or being a good girl, all of that. And so a lot of that is just influenced, you know, who I am and how I, why I do this work and how I do this work. Yeah. Well, and, and what I, um, I was looking over your website and what resonated with me was the whole, um, idea of finding your voice however that suits you right it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go and sing in front of 200 people but but (laughs) finding your true voice for women in particular I think is so important oh yeah absolutely and so I do write a lot on my website about finding your voice and you know I I don't know if the phrase speaking your truth on there, but it's maybe there implicitly. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. It's not, it's nothing about singing, right? Like for some people it might be for me, it was, but for, I say all of the women I work with, it's about being able to speak up when something doesn't feel right. And they would normally kind of, you know, brush it off or being able to say like, Hey, that doesn't work for me. Right. Drawing boundaries, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of being the squeaky wheel at work and being okay with that. Um, you know, speaking up for their own needs rather than just cope, you know, getting along, coping, kind of dealing with leftovers or, you know, powering through. And so a lot of that is related to just finding your voice, finding, you know, speaking, speaking what you need. And and we don't, as women, often we don't have that support given to us right away, you know, in early adolescence where maybe we could embody it and, and carry it through adolescence and into, into adulthood, but it's never too late. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so for you, you know, how do you help women really connect with that true self and that inner voice that feels true and strong and real? Yeah. So it's a process. It's not something that happens in one session. Um, most of the time, so often, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe one session, but First, first, it becomes a process of slowing down, of tuning in. So a lot of the women I work with either have gotten really good at just powering through, um, you know, ignoring their feelings or, you know, just everything. It's just too overwhelming. So they power through. They're often really, really overachievers, um, know how to, you know, do all the things all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the first process of the first part of the process of being able to tune into their voices and what they need is, is slowing down enough, Mm. you know, and, and is, and I say enough, and that's kind of my, my very important phrase these days Mm -hmm. is that we're not going for perfect. We're not going for perfectly still, perfectly calm. We're going for calm enough, slow (laughs) enough. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's a really important reminder for me too, because I do this work because it resonates on a personal level. Like I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And still know what it's like to just power through, to just, you know, collapse at the end of the day and be exhausted. And, and so this is still an ongoing process for me. And so the first part of the process when I work with someone is, is slowing down, is tuning into what is your body telling you right now? What is your breath telling you? You know, and can you set aside the, the judgment of either of those or of both of those? So often we judge like, oh, my body wants to rest, but no, 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 I, I don't need to rest. I'm fine or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's often the, the first part of the process. And, and that, that gets woven in throughout, right? That's the touchstone of something we come back to because as we get deeper into like, what does your inner voice want? What does your inner landscape, your inner world look like? That's a scary place for a lot of people. And so we go, you know, I can, I know how to titrate that experience. We don't go into very deep transformative 
you know, re-educative um, kind of level work at the first session or maybe even the first few months of doing, you know, um, vocal psychotherapy stuff or really, you know, really dealing with p- different parts of the self. Mm-hmm. But staying, we have to build kind of build the toolbox first is something that I'll say a lot. So we need to have kind of a place to come back to a touchstone, um, whatever metaphor you like. And I'm big on metaphors, but if you think about even like a song and the chorus, right, the chorus is that refrain. And so I believe in therapy, we need to have that, that kind of refrain to come back to. And it happens when you build a relationship with someone that you have these, either it's these jokes or this phrase or, you know, specific, breathing exercise or grounding exercise or a metaphor. And I develop those with each of my clients mm. um, individually because the work is just so individualized. Yeah. So finding that place they can come back to feel safe, secure yeah. before jumping before into... diving deep, you know, and, and mm-hmm. then we, we can go back and forth. So it's, it's a process of kind of weaving in and out of the, the supportive level work, which is so important mm-hmm. and the deeper kind of, you know, where the, the real, the change and growth and healing happens. And that's not to negate what happens at the supportive level. Cause for a lot of people, they've never been given or never had the opportunity to slow down, to, to build those, you know, those coping skills that are maybe simple, but not easy. There's really a lot there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of, um, what I see, but I, I too believe just looking over your website and you work with women and with anxiety as well is that, you know, women are often very caught up in their head, their thoughts, you know, whether it's worst case scenarios or, um, trying to manage and keep everything under control. Um, how do you guide them from that very, cerebral mental state into their bodies and into that. Um, and how does that help with their anxiety? Absolutely. I mean, you really hit nail on the head anxiety, anxiety obviously affects us on a physiological level, but a lot of women with anxiety are just running that, you know, that circular, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kind a of treadmill that, or wait, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. that kind of circular treadmill I'm picturing like a gerbil on one of those little wheel things. Right. Um, right. It, right. In, in our heads. And so I name it, I'm really explicit with my clients and say like, this is you staying in your cognitive, you know, process. And what would it be like if you drop back down into your body in this moment? What do you notice? You know, giving an invitation and making it as gentle as possible. I might be, I'm, my style is kind of evolving into a more, you know, explicit direct kind of style, but always soft and gentle as well. So saying like, I'm, I'm seeing this, this is what I'm noticing. I don't, I won't let clients just stay in that loop mm-hmm. session after session. It's just not, it's not useful. No. I mean, and if they do, if they persist on that, there's, there's information there, there's a reason. And so we can slowly unpack that. Yeah. Um, and so if they, you know, whatever comes from that question, from that curiosity that I have, I bring it into, bring it into the physical, bring it into the sensory, into the emotional level, back into their breath. And so I might ask them, you know, if I say, this is staying in your cognitive place, you know, it's staying in your mind, whatever phrase that resonates for them. Mm-hmm. And if I ask them, you know, if you come back down into your body, what do you notice? And then, then we can begin to work with, with color and with sound and with imagery in a different way. So maybe it's, they are noticing, oh, there's a tightness in their chest. And so sometimes it's about releasing 
the feelings that they don't want and finding and often music as a way to kind of express and release, give voice to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's about, oh, actually, I feel kind of calm. Okay, how can we support that? How can mm-hmm. we like really let that soak into your into your body, into your into your bones? I'll say often. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always one or the other. Sometimes it's both in a session, right? We might kind of dip into the resources and then go deeper and then come back to the resources and then go deeper. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a weaving process, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really supporting them wherever they need to be. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a lot of, for a lot of the women I work with, the idea of stepping outside of their comfort zone is really scary. I mean, that's scary for a lot of people, right? It's called a comfort zone for a reason. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, and so a lot of the women I work with, they come to me because music therapy is interesting to them. Okay. Um, you know, and interesting means many things to many people. Oftentimes either they've tried talk therapy and it just didn't get deep enough mm-hmm. or they've never been in therapy but I'd say 100% of the time, music means something to them. Music is already a resource. It's already something that helps them feel happy or holds them when they're sad or calms them down when nothing else does. And they're curious about how that can help help them heal, help them feel calmer, help them feel more confident. Yeah. But, the, you know, sometimes we get into, it's not always, a, it's almost never about me playing music to make them happy, right? Because that's not really the point of therapy. Right. Um, although sometimes it is really fun. And, and <laughs> a lot of times my clients are surprised. I mean, I'm a very real therapist and I write about this on my website. I, you know, I laugh loudly and I curse and I, you know, I just, I share things of my own life when it feels relevant. So I'm, I'm very real and present. And so sometimes it really is just fun. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. Therapy doesn't have to be like this endlessly painful thing. No. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it really could touch on some long held stuff. The idea of coming into a room where there's all these instruments and, you know, what does it mean to, to improvise? What does it mean to, to play and be messy and, and not kind of stick to a pre predetermined path. Right. Mm -hmm. And anxiety is safest and most manageable when we just keep it in, keep our lives in little chunks. Right. Like I I do this and then this, and then this, and, and when this happens, I do this. And yeah. when you're improvising, when I've got an instrument, you've got an instrument, we can't really control or predict. And there's a freedom in that and and a, a fear for a lot of people. And that's that's kind of the place where a lot of really great change can happen. Yeah, yeah. I am just picturing, you know, you with a client in your room and banging on drums or whatever. But like the, fr- the, the amount of, um, well, trust. You know, mm-hmm. to be able to be in that space and share whatever comes up for the client and whether it's musically or, you know, uh, in talk therapy too. But just, I don't know, it seems I have never, you know, experienced music therapy, but to me to have your sound, whatever that is, heard, your voice mm-hmm. heard, it just feels so powerful. It is powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. It's really intimate. It's you know, it, there's many different, like I was saying, there's many different levels of working. And so for a lot of people, the idea of using their voice is mm. so, so terrifying. And I don't push, I should say that I don't push people like you have to play. No, uh, no You know, no. like that's sure. not, that's not how I work. And so I might have, you know, two or three months of sessions with someone before they, they want to, and that's okay because that's the right time. 
Right. You know, so it might mean we're working with recorded music. We're working um, with me providing receptive experiences for them. So me leading them through, um, you know, some guided imagery with live music or with recorded music or doing some really simple breathing or humming exercise, like really simple stuff. I don't just, you know, throw someone in and say, okay, like line up all the instruments, let's go. Cause that's, you know, again, that's that resourcing. Like if they're not ready to do that, that's going to be so scary. Oh yeah. 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 Almost. I mean, and I, and I get that on a personal level. I was, so I, I played piano and sang, you know, since I was a little girl and I was classically trained, which meant I initially, I was classically trained, which meant I sat, you know, stood mm-hmm. up on a recital stage and sang my, you know, Italian art songs and my, you know, Gershwin yeah. pieces. And there wasn't really any improvising, you know, oh, you sing the, the notes yeah. that are on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went to grad school, um, I went to grad school at NYU, which was very different than my undergrad degree in music therapy. And NYU was all about improvisation. And it was fucking terrifying for me. <laughs> it was so fucking terrifying. Oh my gosh. Um, it you know like I was classically trained and so that means like you you sing what's in front of you. You don't and what is making stuff up mean and what are people going to think of me and this feels weird and I don't know what's next. Right, right, right. You well, know and like right. yeah. That's there's so much there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can just see how hard that would be because, yeah, because classical music, it's all, like you said, it's on the page, it's scripted, yep. I know yep. what's next, I know the yep. next note, and I can sing that with confidence, but then just to yeah. get out there, wow. And and classical music, particularly for vocalists, but probably also for instrumentalists, there's such a clear, this is right and this is wrong. Like yeah. if I hit, you know, if I sing a B and I was meant to sing a B flat, I know that. And, and someone who knows the music would know that as well. Cause it's just, a, it's off, right? Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't fit right. Or, um, and so when I started improvising, it was, it was so hard. And, and so I really have so much empathy and so much resonance for my clients who are like, Oh, okay. I want to do this, but this is scary. And so I, we walk through it. We tiptoe through it, mm. you know, like on really small levels, like, you know, what do your fingers want to play? Um, you know, making it playful and sensory rather than like, I need you to pick the largest instrument in the room and like play all of your feelings. Right. right. Um, you know, like it's, it, it's yeah. not about, you know, trial by fire, but so, you know, I've really been there and like improvising outside of music also is hard for people and it's hard for people with anxiety to improvise. Oh my gosh. So it leaves hard. so much unknown. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think any of, for people with anxiety, any of the more creative therapies can be very challenging. Um, You know, bringing artwork or movement or music into the therapy room can be, yeah, pokes them in all those places where it's like, ah. Yeah, I mean, and and for a lot of people with anxiety, I find there's, and for people in therapy, you know, there's a, a desire to stay where they are, right? Because that's comfortable, mm-hmm. but also a desire to grow. And, you know, in my experience, a lot of women with anxiety, they have such a strong relationship to music, to art, to poetry. So there is that strong creative spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like in a, I don't know, a battle seems too dramatic, but maybe battle <laughs> with, with the part of them that needs to stay organized or needs to stay in that spinning, right? Yeah. And so it's about, you know, calming that, that spinning part enough so that the other part can grow. Yeah. The other part can have some more space and some more light. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and so much of 
of, I think, finding your own voice is recognizing that there is that part of you when you're anxious that's saying no, like right. do not show up, do not right. voice what you need because that doesn't feel safe at all. Right. I mean, I think finding, you know, the idea of finding your voice, you know, sometimes I guess in like pop culture, it's like, you know, when you find your voice, you'll never be scared again. And that's, that's you know, pretty much crap. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, it doesn't mean you won't be scared again. It means you dip in and out of that, that strong place, you yes, know, yes. you dip in and out of that, that strong part of you, like, and kind of like in, you know, in IFS and internal family systems that we have all of these parts. Mm -hmm. And so we can step into our strong, confident part, but we also may have, you know, I still have a shy part. Oh, I'm, yeah. You know, it doesn't right. really come out that much anymore, but I know it's still there. Mm -hmm. And when it comes out, I can treat it in a, in a kinder way than I probably did when I was 15 and got really mad at myself when I couldn't raise my hand in class, you know? Yes, yes, so, yes. So, you know, it's not having, finding your voice is also about acknowledging when, when it's too much, when it, you know, when there are the moments when you can't find your voice or when you can't speak your truth and that that's okay. Yeah. And having, you know, yeah. and, and how do you treat yourself in those moments? Right. Having that yeah. compassion for the part that needs to stay quiet in that moment. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And a voice is still a voice, even if it's quiet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Somebody said to me, like, yeah, can you, can you be visible and be quiet at the same time? Mm. It's like, oh, yeah. I like that. That is lovely. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I, I really, um, looking at your website, there was one phrase that really sort of um, struck me that personally that, and you say, real change starts with you. I, I just, to me, I think for all clients, but for women in particular, like finding that, you know, there is the power within you to to do things differently can be right. like that sort of switch or I don't know, that turning point. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, this idea that, that women, that people in general, but you know, women in particular, we have such power yeah. and we have such capacity. Although I like the word power better than capacity. <laughs> um, we have such power to, you know, and oftentimes that power gets translated into doing for others. Yes. Um, but this idea of, of like reflecting that back of like, what can I do for myself? And, and, and the permission to, to be able to do that for yourself, whatever the, that is, or to not do, right. Mm -hmm. I've been reading, um, you've probably heard of or read the book, Daring to Rest. Karen Brody. No, I haven't. Oh, oh, I think you would really like that. Um, and she, she just has all these beautiful ways of talking about like, we need rest, we need, you know, and that's okay. And you don't have to rest when you're already depleted. But like all of these just beautiful resonances with, with the work that I do and the idea that rest and rhythm feed each other, which I really mm. love. I forget the exact quote, but it's yeah. really lovely. Mm. Yeah, this, that, that's amazing. Yeah. I will, I will, I will add that to, uh, the show notes as a resource for the Absolutely. guests, but I will, I think my library is going to be growing with this podcast with each person <laughs> suggesting Mine books. Mine is constantly growing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, well, I have enjoyed this conversation so, so much, Maya. I think that um, it has helped me understand music therapy in a much broader way, but also just the work that you do with with women and anxiety seems really powerful. Now, I know, um, um, well, two things. So if if you had one tip or resource uh, for the listeners of this podcast um, to help them, you know, manage anxiety or find their true voice, like what would, what would that be? Mm, let me think on that for a moment. One tip is kind of like, you know, all the pressure. Let me make it, uh, you know, <laughs> it can be good enough, right? It can be um, good enough. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. To tune into when you're feeling anxious or when you're not, right? Because you could practice this stuff when you're not. Mm-hmm. tuning into what your body needs at the moment. And so if you're anxious, being curious about like, what is this tightness in my chest need? What is this fluttering in my stomach need? And to turn that musically. So mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, the tightness in my chest must need, you know, a Bach minuet. Maybe it needs, you know, a Sia song, or mm-hmm. maybe it needs, you know, Metallica. I, I don't yeah. know what it needs, right? Everyone is different, but tuning into what does this anxiety actually really crave and need right now mm-hmm. rather than how can I just like kind of mute it and dull it and, and pet it till it goes away? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's so, so true and powerful. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a giving voice even to the anxiety, right? right. Like I hear you. I see you. Exactly. I know you're here. And, and often when we can give voice to it, it, it provides a little space and I I'm, it, yeah, it provides space for it to be soothed in ways that we wouldn't imagine. I mean, I wrote, I think it was a blog post, although it may have been an email newsletter a year or two ago about how I was feeling anxious and I was listening to the classical, I was driving and I had gotten off a phone call. I don't even remember what the phone call was about. And I was listening to the local um, classical station, mm-hmm. um, which I love. I love classical music. And so I turned it up and it was some piano concerto and it just wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was like not, it was not even registering, right? Because my chest was tight. And I just started, um, you know, flipping stations through the radio. And I settled on, um, oh, it's a Sia song. Cheap, Cheap Thrills, I think it's called. Yeah. Okay. Um, and all of a sudden, like, that was what I needed. It just locked in. And I remember, like, turning the bass up and turning the volume up. And it felt so good. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, I could breathe. Like, I was breathing before. But, like, I could breathe all the way down mm. to that sweet spot, I'll often say. Mm-hmm. And if you had asked me the day before, like, what music soothes your anxiety, it would not have been, <laughs> you know, it would not have been that song. But in that moment, it totally worked. Yeah. So in, in just giving myself a little bit of space to like, what do I really need right now? And the answer to what I really needed was not a, you know, a piano concerto. No, no. <laughs> but it was, you know, a very bass drum heavy pop song. Yeah. That surprised me. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. So uh, what projects are coming? Well, you had mentioned also first like resources. So you had mentioned the Daring to Rest Mm-hmm. book. Uh, are there other resources that you recommend that or would like to recommend to the listeners as far as? Um... Um, that's a great question. I mean, I love, I'm loving that book lately. I love all of Brene Brown's work, which I'm sure you've heard uh-huh. um, a lot. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been reading or listening to lately. Um, let me 
think. I'm actually looking at my bookshelf, seeing if sometimes I, I read a lot, but I have a hard time in the moment, like remembering. Yeah. Actually, a book that I've, that I, it's not a new book at all, but I've been really coming back lately to this book called The World in Six Songs by Daniel Levitin. Oh, huh. Um, he is, if anyone is not familiar with him, he's a neuroscientist and a jazz musician. He's written other books before about music, but a little more from a neuroscience perspective. Um, and this one, The World in Six Songs, is about the six main types of songs and how they've shaped human culture and behavior and emotion over since the beginning of time, really. like. Oh, cool. So it's a really interesting book. And I just, yeah, I, it's just something I've been diving back into lately. Nice. That sounds very, very interesting. And again, it is. I will add that to my uh, yeah. my Amazon book list. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything upcoming in your uh, practice? Or I know you've got your groups up, coming up, I think. So what, what's, tell us about that. So actually, I'm, I've got a whole new project. Aside from my one-on-one work um, with women, and so I'm in New York City, and so I'm always, you know, open to new clients. I do have a couple of spots open right now, but aside from that, I've kind of branched out into this whole consulting sort of side of my practice called reclaim your rhythm. Mm. Um, and that's for helpers and healers. So therapists, teachers, parents, activists, you know, people, anyone whose personal professional life is about helping or healing. Um, so I've started beginning last month, actually February, 2018, I started offering Reclaim Your Rhythm workshops in person in New York City, um, which were fabulous and so, so deep and so much fun and just really fantastic. I'm offering those again in May um, in person. And then beyond that, I'm developing some ways to, if that kind of work resonates with you, but you're not local to New York City, um, some ways to work with me around those themes online. Cool. As well as, yeah, as well as upcoming retreats and, you know, kind of longer workshop opportunities. Wow. So all of that is kind of in development. I'm really excited about it. I'm hoping to launch my first online course at uh, the very beginning of next year. But there'll wow. be some other opportunities to work with me virtually around the themes about what it means to reclaim your rhythm um, in an online. So based to work with me in an online capacity um, coming down the pike this summer. Cool. Yeah. That sounds really exciting. And your workshop sounds great. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maya. I appreciate your time that you spent with me today. And I'm sure my listeners will appreciate that insight into music therapy and how it can help with managing anxiety and finding your voice. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in this week to the Woman Warriors podcast. I really enjoyed my conversation with Maya and learning about music and incorporating that into how to manage anxiety in the moment, and I hope you did too. Next week will be a solo episode on meditation and how that can be helpful, and maybe even a guided meditation. Ha ha ha! So, I hope you'll tune in. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. 
If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.